This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Instead of asking myself, do I feel completely prepared to jump into our business? It was like, do I think I could be a better wife? Do I think I could be a better mom, a better sister, a better neighbor, a better partner? And when I answered those questions, I realized it was time for me to cash out. It was time for me to walk away and try something new. And if it didn't work out, then I could always go back to work. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about the case for the 15-year career. Yes, we graduate from college, we get our first job, and after the new career, happy feelings start to fade. It's not uncommon for us to think, how long do I need to keep doing this? For my parents' generation, it was until your 60s or 70s, then you can stop and enjoy retirement. But a 40 or 50-year career when you're not overly thrilled with each of your days sounds more like a prison sentence than a fulfilling career. For those looking for another way, how about a 15-year career instead? And then you can slow down and enjoy more life in your 30s or 40s instead. So to make the case for the 15-year career, I've invited Kirsten and Julian Saunders on the show today. Kirsten and Julian used frugal living, real estate, stock market investing, and their online business to build wealth and ultimately achieve financial independence. They paid off over $200,000 in five years, and their story has been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, CBS This Morning, Market Watch, The Oprah Winfrey Network, and more. Kirsten and Julian are also the authors of the new book, Cashing Out, Win the Wealth Game by Walking Away. When they're not sharing stories about their experiences with money, they are parents to their son, Bo, traveling the world, or they are searching for their next great meal. Welcome back to the show, Kirsten and Julian. Thank you so much for having us, Andy. It's always good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm excited about this conversation. As somebody who enjoyed a 15-year career and is now trying something completely different, I love this conversation. So let's talk about this. Why do you believe people should pursue a 15-year career versus the maybe traditional 30, 40, or 50-year career? Yeah, well, you kind of alluded to it in your your introduction a little bit. Uh, I think you used the term prison sentence, (laughs) but I don't know that that's a bit of an exaggeration. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, most people find themselves being deeply unfulfilled at their job. And for those of us who are in the personal finance and media space that are consuming this research and stuff, we also know that not only are people committing to just this real long period of misery for the vast majority of us, but it also leaves their retirement underfunded, right? And so we're living to work instead of, at the risk of sounding cliche, like working to live. And um, it, it's it's kind of sad. And so what we're proposing is that there's another way of doing this. Obviously, it requires you to think about your career a little differently, but it, there are also financial implications. And so we offer a bit of a step-by-step guide on how to do that in our book. Obviously, it seems like a quick math problem for somebody who doesn't like their job. They're like, well, if 50 years of this thing that I don't like 
is the reality. Uh, 15 years sounds a lot better. What's standing in our way of making this happen? Why can't we just do this? <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. I think a lot of people are still imagining the idealized version of a lifetime career and imagining the idealized version of retirement, where when you look at the actual data of how retirees live in the United States, 80% of them still work and earn some sort of income. So this idea that you have to have this giant pile of money that you live off of forever is not really the state of retirement today. And then even when you look at careers, the likelihood that your career is disrupted the older that you get or the more that technology advances is increasing every single year. And so when you take those two factors, what the 15 year career gives you is kind of the ability to begin your career with the end in mind. And that is an uncomfortable truth that people have to confront. When you're still imagining this world where your income goes up every single year for 40 years, it keeps pace with inflation and you're always promoted and you always have great managers and great employees like that, that version of career is just much rarer. And telling people that is like telling them there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> like it is, it's an uncomfortable truth that we have to confront. And I think more people now, more so than ever before, are willing to do that. I think that's why you see so many people leaving at the numbers that you do today. The pandemic did a lot of things for a lot of people, you know, positives and many, many negatives, of course. But what it did provide was this sort of great pause where we were able to breathe and sort of say, hmm, am I doing the right thing for me or for my family? That pause is something we should be able to give ourselves, right? Like it's not something we should wait on like a once in a hundred, once in a century pandemic, global pandemic. We should be able to give that to ourselves. And the 15 year career just kind of creates that space. After year 15, you have the ability to take a year off or a sabbatical or travel or go back to school, whatever you want. And if you want to go back to work after that, you absolutely can. In fact, you might be a better candidate because of whatever you've learned during your time off or the restore the restoration that you've gotten in your time off. And so I think that's that that pause that so many people experience, we want more people to experience that more often in their lifetimes because it can be the space that you need for the breakthrough that you're looking for. Absolutely. You know, one thing that you guys talk about a lot on your blog as well as just within your book is this perception of what it means to be rich. And I think that can cause people to keep on this continual hamster wheel a little bit longer. Can you talk about, I guess yeah, I really loved your just origin of rich and regular. Talk to us about what it means to be rich and regular. To be rich and regular means a lot of things. And depending on the day, right, I've got a different story. Um, but I think today, and just for the purposes of answering the questions, it's really about decoupling the idea of rich and famous, which is the image that comes to mind when most people think about what it means to be rich or to be wealthy. And I we encourage people to do this, like to just Google it, right? Go Google images type in the words rich and look at the images that you see. And it doesn't matter how you slice it. Like they're pretty consistent in terms of how that's defined it. And unfortunately, that's a very limited definition. And I think it actually gets in the way of what people believe is impossible or when they even consider themselves rich. And so we use our platform and just about every medium to try to 
help people to think about that a little bit differently and to define rich in their own way. Obviously, there are some financial implications around what defines that for you, but there's so many other factors, right? You could be top 10% in the United States and be like the top 1% in another country or even in, uh, depending on the type of city that you live in. And so it's really just a matter of getting people to stop and think about what it really means, what it means for them, and then using all of the energy that they can to build a life in that direction. I think it was in your book that I was listening. You're talking about Google Ritz, and you'll see whatever Leo DiCaprio from uh, Wolf of Wall Street making a rain <laughs> from a rain. yacht. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, if we keep putting this out there that I can't feel rich or I can't be rich until I'm on a yacht throwing money like it doesn't matter, that's poison. That's poison for our country. That's poison for people's brains because it's damn near unattainable for 99.9% of everybody, right? Absolutely. It makes you take high stakes risks because you need fast money to live like that. You need it quickly. You need a lot of it. It's not like the slow build from entrepreneurship or careers or investing where your money is growing at 7%, 10%. Like to achieve that level of rich in this lifetime, you need lightning to strike in a bottle. Or you need to commit a crime. Yes, or you need to exactly. commit a crime. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so I, it is dangerous. And, and part of why we started rich and regular was to start to normalize what wealth looks like, what choices become available to you once you determine that you have the money that you need to meet your basic, you know, to to have financial security and demonstrate like, here's how you maneuver through life when you have more options than you would if you if you made different choices. And I do agree that that is all personal. What rich means to somebody is very different from somebody else. Maybe that does mean you got to be on a yacht and throwing money. But I would say for the most people, it's being able to have that pause, being able to have that time to make some decisions that are best for you, your self-care, your family, whatever's going forward. So talk to us about your personal side of things, because I think that helps people get some context about what rich might mean for you guys. At some point in your life, you said... I don't want to do this anymore, or I don't want to keep going on this hamster wheel. I don't want to say yes to a 50-year career. What happened to you guys where you said, we got to make a change? Well, Julian was first. He was in a toxic work situation back in 2018. And a lot of his decision, we had just had a newborn around the time, but was not quite a year old. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the decision, a lot of his decision was what kind of example he wanted to set for our son. He wanted to set an example where, you know, instead of the the lessons that we had been told as as young people that, you know, the job is the job and to put your head down and take it and you need to pay bills. He wanted to set this example for our son that if someone is not treating you right, then you have the right to walk away, right? You deserve to be in, in a healthy work environment. And so he left and worked on the business full time. I was still working, still getting promoted, still being the breadwinner. And I took a lot of pride in that. But about a year after he left and I was still working, I started to realize that it was creating this gap in our in our marriage. He would have different experiences during the day and I would come home and I'd be stressed out about office stuff. Like, you know, (laughs) it sounds so silly now where it's like, I can't believe she didn't offer me a bagel. Like it was just (laughs) office stuff. (laughs) And what used to be like this huge shared part of our relationship where we'd complain about work was just me complaining. And he had 
an, another point of view of the world that I was kind of envious of. He saw all this opportunity and was talking to all these people online and meeting new people and eating at Whole Foods for lunch. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> and so I had to make the decision very similar to him. Instead of asking myself, do I feel completely prepared to jump into our business? It was like, do I think I could be a better wife? Do I think I could be a better mom, a better sister, a better neighbor, a better partner? And when I answered those questions, I realized it was time for me to cash out. It was time for me to walk away and try something new. And if it didn't work out, then I could always go back to work. But I needed the pause to recalibrate our family life. And and that was a huge part of my decision. I love that. You know, there's people listening right now that say, that's fantastic. I want to do that. But how do you financially make that happen? This is a money book. This is a life book. Talk to us about how you guys were able to do that. Yeah. And that's that's important. I'm glad you asked that because we didn't just, you know, rely on what we were missing emotionally. Right. Obviously, there were some financial implications there. And so at that point, we were very fortunate that we were or at least I was at, a, at around the 10-year mark of my professional working career. We'd paid off our mortgage on our then primary home the year before. To Kirsten's point, we'd started a business which was already starting to produce some income. We'd taken the steps three years prior to invest in some real estate, and so we had a cash flowing property. And so there was supplemental income there. Yeah. There was intentional efforts that really lowered our cost of living there. We had fully funded emergency funds. like We had plenty in the tank. And we were still living through a stock market that was producing record-breaking returns every single year. And we had every reason to believe that that would continue going forward. And so we certainly financially prepared <laughs> to walk away from our jobs. It certainly wasn't something that was just triggered by our emotions. And, you know, it was something that was around 10 years in the making. And again, we talk about that in the book. Like you want to be in that position to put yourself first. I think it's especially after having a child, I think anyone who has a kid can speak to how indescribably exhausting yet fulfilling the, 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 the it can all be and so when you're coming from you know like an empty tank but you're still required to deliver at a high level like sometimes all you want is a break you mm-hmm. know and we, we were lucky that we'd put ourselves in a position to give ourselves that break to recalibrate even before we were all kind of forced to do that because of the pandemic so those are kind of some of the things that we did just to put ourselves in a position to put ourselves first Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. So we went from the emotional side of things to the financial side of things. Now I want to go back to the emotional side of things. You two built up your careers to a point where you were making some pretty good money. At what point? I, I don't know exactly what you were making, but you were making good money. You were proud of what you were making. How does the ego go into that where you say, hey, I'm going to let go of this, let's call it a six-figure salary, where you say, I built it up to this and now I'm going to be a scrappy entrepreneur and build things up. How did that feel or how does that feel based on that transition? Because I know a lot of people, including myself, I used to make $180,000 in my sales corporate role and corporate event marketing. And now I'm very happy. It took a while, but I'm very happy making around $60,000 a year doing this, talking to you guys and having a conversation. But it took some time. So talk to me about, did you guys have any transition for that? I guess emotionally, on a pride standpoint, talk to me about that. Both. There was a bruised ego <laughs> and there was an emotional transition because it takes a while for you to realize which purchases in your budget were subsidizing the emptiness you felt mm. in your in your day-to-day life. And so right-sizing our budget was an exercise that took, oh my gosh, probably 18 to 24 months. And I'm we're only on year two and a half that we've been doing this both full time. The business has been around longer, but I was traditionally employed. So like you don't feel, you know, living off the revenue, but it's been, it's been an interesting journey because we've had to confront a lot of the expenses that we had and to figure out like which ones actually matter and, and which ones don't. But I think it wasn't as scary of a transition as I expected because to Julian's point, while we were traditionally employed, we had already started to earn income from other sources. And so we had something to compare it to. We knew that the income that we were earning passively, I'm using massive air quotes for people who are listening but not watching, that we were earning outside of our nine to five, quote unquote, passively through real estate and through our digital business felt better than the money that we were earning 
at our W-2 jobs. We, we had access to it quicker. The effort matched the output. So, you know, like when you are spending a week at work, working on a presentation for executives, doesn't matter how many hours you put in that week, your check does not change. Like it does not, it doesn't reflect your effort. Whereas with entrepreneurship, it did. If we spent 30 hours on a project, we were paid 30 hours worth and then some. And so we had something to compare it to. And we knew that the upside was far greater on, on this side of earning if we would just be patient and stick to our process. And so it was not as scary as I thought it would be, but it has been as difficult emotionally as I thought it would be. And what you're describing there are these multiple legs to your stool or your chair or whatever we want to call it that holds you guys up for your family. You talked about real estate. You talked about your online business. Did you guys do investing in the stock market that's helped with this sort of bridge as well? Julian, I know we talked about this a couple of years ago now, but uh, where are you guys with that and has that helped you with this bridge? You know, it's one of the best decisions we ever made was to kind of take the reins and to start self-managing our own investment portfolio, inclusive of our retirement portfolio. And that's not to knock any of the financial advisors out there or any of the people who choose to use financial advisory services. But what I do think it did is it just put us in the driver's seat and we were comfortable being there. I think no one should care more about your money than you sh- than you do, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like the way that it felt. We enjoyed that process. We invested very simply and confidently in index funds. We're pretty consistent at that. And again, we've enjoyed some really healthy returns over the last 10 years, like most people who've done the same thing. And so now we're at a point where we are actually embracing risk mm-hmm. a little bit more. We're saying, all right, well, let's look at some specific tech sector funds. And maybe for the first time ever, you know, depending on how good some things go, we might even start dabbling in some individual stock picking. You know, that was pretty much the blueprint. It was something that we'd read, something that we'd believed in, given our understanding of what you can actually control with respect to the cost of investing. And so we factored all of that into our process. And I think it just made us more confident investors. Yeah. And so we're talking about those three different areas. Do you feel like if somebody's interested in cashing out, somebody's interested in a 15-year career, those three avenues should be something that everybody pursues or... What would be your your advice? If I had to pick one, I would say index fund investing. As much as I enjoyed being a real estate investor, you know, we've met and had thousands of conversations about money with people around the world. And I have very few, let's say, failures or cases of failure from people who have taken that approach. I can't say that with real estate investing, and I can't say that with entrepreneurship. Um, Obviously, while there are some people who've had remarkable success, I just, as I'm looking at or thinking about the number of hiccups or challenges that people have had, I mean, the affordability of index fund investing, the diversity in terms of options that you can choose from. The the, liquidity. The liquidity, which Mm -hmm. is so important, especially Mm -hmm. as we're comparing that to people who are in real estate. The low barrier of entry, right? We're not talking about having to get insurance and going through appraisals and down payment or any of those things. We can literally just automate these things. And even if you wanted to use a robo-advisor, like it could just be done on your phone, wherever you are, anytime you want. And I think that in and of itself is is such a powerful thing. You know, when we think about the power just of investing, like even outside of just index fund investing, and we kind of think about it now as one of the best benefits that you can have. So if you if you were to work for a hotel company like we did, you wouldn't for a second 
turn down one of the best benefits, which is to stay in the hotels for free or at a deep discount. Or if you work for an airline, you wouldn't without you would never like turn down the ability <laughs> fly to with fly a competitor. <laughs> around the world, right? You're going to take full advantage of that benefit. And I think, you know, for people who work for publicly traded companies, I mean, you really need to start thinking about investing as if it's one of the greatest benefits that you have as, as someone who has means, right? You've helped to contribute to the profitability of this company. And so now you owe it to yourself to take full advantage of the work that you've contributed to. And so that's the way that we think about it. No matter what, especially with index funds, you're betting on the 500 best companies, no matter which ones are currently in there, because you're always going to own them forever. It's like, there's never not going to be 500 great companies in our, in our country, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. No. No. Exactly. So there's somebody listening right now. And, you know, statistically, achieving financial independence, as you both know, as you both talk about a lot, is more difficult for Black and Hispanic families due to the general just disparity of wealth and opportunity that exists in our country. So there's somebody who's black or Hispanic that's listening to us right now. And they're thinking, you know what, this whole financial independence thing, it sounds great, but it's not possible for me in this country. What would you say to them? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question that we get quite a bit. And my answer is that the same statistics that lead you to ask that question are the reasons why you need to try this, right? There's a spectrum to financial independence. You may not, you may be right. You may not reach the, the level where you never have to work another day in your life. You, you can draw down 4% and sip pina coladas on the beach. You may not reach that. I'm not going to promise you that. But you will, if you try, even if, I'm, even if you're only halfway there, reach a level of independence that allows you to take the breaks that you need, that allows you to not be financially devastated when your career lets you down. Or life. Or life. That allows you to respond to emergencies from your friends and family when, when they call, not if. And that allows you to, to have options, right? If you, if, if you want to leave this country that where so much wealth inequality exists, you have that option when you have more options when you have money than you don't. And so I empathize with the question. I understand why people feel like it's not possible for them. But my ask is that you hold space for the spectrum of independence that is possible for us. This is a game that you can win. Those other ones, I'm not so confident, but this is a game that you can actually play to win. Having worked in the corporate world and having now done what you're doing right now, do you think there's more opportunity for Black and Hispanic folks in the entrepreneurship side of things and real estate worlds? I do. And, and obviously we're biased because we've experienced that, but that's a core part of the message that we had. You know, so many people define winning in their careers in a very limited spectrum, right? So it's, it's either getting the big job with the big salary or getting that big promotion. But I think we more people than, than, than not can relate to the idea that very few people actually win that way, right? Because there are only so many jobs that you can have and because so many things happen throughout the course of your career that derail your ambitions. And so we are offering an alternative, which is to say, actually, the, a better way to think about winning is to put yourself in a position to walk away entirely. You don't have to worry about winning. It's it, Given the spirit of the, I'm sorry, you don't have to worry about getting the promotion. I mean, again, to Kirsten's point, even after you hit a certain milestone, it's not to suggest that you have to quit, but you are empowered to quit. Yeah. And I think that there's a 
power imbalance there that I think leads to a significantly better quality of life because you have more options. You can choose to decide that you're going to spend the next year being a better parent or a better partner to your husband or your wife or whatever it is, a better son, daughter, you name it. And so I I just think that that is an actual, that is a goal that the vast majority of people actually can achieve instead of getting the big job with the corner office, because only so many people are going to get that. And I think we all kind of know that the game's kind of rigged. You know, I think it's fair to say that there are some people and, and, and it, it extends beyond just race or, or even gender. They're just it's just kind of rigged. We kind of know that. Right. There are certain people that are going to get those jobs and they're just going to ease on through it. But for other people, it's going to be a bit of a grind. And so it's a matter of saying, all right, you know, what are the minimum number of rounds that I can hang in there? You know, before I just throw in the towel and we've landed on the number 15 and I uh, feel like that's a good, solid number. You gave it a good fight. <laughs> Sturdy number. And now you can walk away and feel proud of what you've built and decide what you want to do instead of having or, or or instead of having that decision being made for you. I think that's great. And I think the 15 year time limit also allows you to get the cash, you know, to accumulate the cash so that you can cash out. Because yes, being able to build up your career and take advantage of these benefits and options that are out there as long as you can definitely helps when you're building that wealth train. So there's somebody listening right now and they say, okay, man, I'm in. I want a 15-year career. Uh, I'm just getting started with this financial independence thing. Maybe they don't have high consumer debt and things like that, but they're looking for a step following this interview so they can keep moving forward to creating that uh, 15-year career and path out to cash out. So what piece of advice would you leave with them? Buy the book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Absolutely. I would agree. I'm enjoying it right now, everybody. <laughs> I, I think the first step is, gosh, I want to give two steps. But the first step is to make a list of things that you enjoy doing when you're not at work, right? This will keep you focused on what the mission is here. It's, yeah. it's to build more time to do those things. And then the second thing that I would advise is to try to earn $1 outside of your nine to five job and see how creative you can get. My guess is that you'll earn way more than $1, whether it's through a bank bonus or through a rebate or through a small investment through a robo-advisor to Julian's point. Focus on earning $1 and then inch that up to see, can I earn enough to cover one bill every month outside of my nine to five? And then just keep inching that up because I think people don't realize how much easier it is to earn income outside of your nine to five without working an additional 40 hours for it. And so I would give people like a little taste of that feeling to help them in their confidence levels with leaving a long-term career. I love that. I often get discouraged sometimes as being a part of this financial independence movement. If I can't invest a million dollars by the time I'm 40, then I've completely failed. And I have quickly <laughs> realized that my version of financial independence is very different from some of the big stories I see out there. And I'm very happy with it being different <laughs> as well. So tell people where people can get this book. And if they want to learn more from you, where should they go? Yes. So our website is richandregular.com. We are on all major social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. The book is wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Target.com, Walmart, Barnes and Nobles, all of those are available for you to purchase cashing out if you're interested. Absolutely. And if you guys are audio people like I am, get the audible version. I've definitely enjoyed it on my walks this week. Julian and Kirsten, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for putting this out there in the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. 
15-year career and then another 40 to 50 years of freedom sounds like a great deal to me. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Kirsten and Julian Saunders. Number one, gift yourself a pause. Whether it's taking a break after a 15-year career to reflect or simply taking advantage of a sabbatical, pausing can help us decide what's best for our future. When we're rushing from thing to thing and work responsibility to family obligation and over and over again, we don't get the time to pause and breathe and truly explore if we're on the right path for our lives. Number two, financially prepare for your next chapter. Pausing from work or transitioning into a new small business sounds awesome, right? But make sure you've done the hard work needed so you can rest easy knowing you'll be okay financially. Build up that emergency fund, grow it to an FU fund, invest for your retirement, eliminate high interest debt, and even low interest debt like your mortgage. These types of activities can help you cash out like Kirsten and Julian have. Number three, create your own version of financial independence. The idea of investing over a million dollars in your 30s or 40s to retire early is nearly impossible for most of us. So let's scrap that idea completely. What financial independence goal is possible for you? Becoming consumer debt-free? Becoming mortgage-free? Achieving Coast Fire? That's building up enough in your retirement accounts where you can stop or significantly decrease your contributions and still achieve your retirement goals. It's essentially creating your own pension. These wins could allow you to go part-time, so you can enjoy more life today or start that small business you're excited about today, not in your 60s or 70s. I'm inspired by Kirsten and Julian's mission to help people craft their own version of financial independence. And I want to be a part of that. I want to help you find yours as well. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I'd love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter and Facebook. And let's keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and to Weird Digital Marketing for supporting our efforts on Instagram and YouTube. And then, of course, Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on the blog. This content is not possible without all these great folks. So thank you all very much for being a part of it. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are also on a mission of family financial independence, you can join us in our free Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. Each quarter, we throw out a challenge to re-engage you for your financial goals that you set this year. You know, remember in January, we're like, hey, I'm going to do all these really cool things. Sometimes we forget those. So uh, I like to throw it out every quarter just to say, hey, how are those goals doing? And if you're lagging on them, let's re-engage, right? So contributing member Karen shared this smart plan for this quarter. She said, I want to restock the emergency fund. We had a major unexpected car issue, so I got a new used vehicle. Karen, this is a really smart move for all of us to consider this quarter. Nicole and I, as I shared last week, everybody, we've been dealing with some car issues as well, and the bills, they're adding up fast, man. 
So everyone, take this as a moment to reassess that car repair sinking fund. Do you have money set aside just in case you got some car trouble coming up? Or how's that emergency fund looking as we head into a potential recession? Take Karen's goal for this quarter as a reminder that unexpected and expensive stuff happens in life. <laughs> Let's just make sure we're prepared financially. Then we won't feel so stressed. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Karen for sharing her goal with us? All right, Karen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you are looking to make some connections with like-minded people like Karen and share your goals as well, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook group. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. If you don't do Facebook, just connect with me on other social platforms like Instagram. I'm at marriagekidsandmoney or Twitter at andyhillmkm. Either way, hope to see you in the social sphere. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Harriet Tubman. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Pause, dream, plan, and then take action, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.